This episode of Adulthood Made Easy is brought to you by Squarespace. Start building your website today at squarespace.com. Enter offer code REALSIMPLE at checkout to get 10% off. Squarespace, build it beautiful. And by Organifi Green Juice. Organifi Green Juice is a great way to stay healthy when you're always on the go. Listeners can get an additional 20% off by going to OrganifiShop.com easy and using the promo code EASY. To Adulthood Made Easy, a podcast from Real Simple Magazine that will not only help you navigate real life, but win at real life. I'm your host, Sam Zabel. And I am the first to admit, and I've admitted it before on this show, that I let technology run my life. I constantly check my email on both my work and personal phone. I refresh Instagram six times in one opening it on the screen and one time having it open. I'm always scrolling Twitter, and I'm also the first to admit that it can be really exhausting. And as I've been trolling the internet this week, I've seen many examples of people who are trying to quit it. They're trying to unplug. They're trying to get away from their screens. And two stories caught my eye. So as part of the Huffington Post's Work Well Week, staff members have been making an effort to practice habits that will make them more productive, happier, less stressed. And some of those obviously have to do with technology. So I asked two Huffington Post people to come join me in the studio today because they took on tasks that I don't think I could ever do. We have Jesse Preuss, who's the executive editor of Huffington Post Impact and Good News. Hi, Jesse. Hi there. And she vowed to only talk to people in real life for a week. So we'll talk to her about what that means. And then we have Damon Barris, who's the editor of Huffington Post Tech. Hi, Damon. Hello. And he, ironically, as the tech editor, turned off all notifications. So we're going to talk to them about their experiments, how those experiments went, what the challenges were, and how we can kind of take those extreme measures and adopt them into our real lives. So thank you both for joining me in the studio today. Thanks for having us. Thank you. I only touched the surface of what your experiments were, obviously, and I'm sure that listeners are very curious to hear what exactly went into them. So, Jesse, let's start with you. Why don't you lay out what it meant to only talk to people in real life, kind of what your rules were when you set out on this experiment and why you chose it? Sure. So I didn't send any emails or Slack messages or G-chats. So that means when somebody, when someone sent me an email, I would just show up at their desk yeah. <laughs> as a form of response. And when somebody sent me a chat, same thing. In our office, we work with a lot of remote employees, so I would also call people on the phone. Yeah. I have had to make a few exceptions, emailing Ariana, for example, <laughs> yeah. um, emailing with HR and our hiring team. Absolutely. And I definitely want to get more into that. But first, Damon, let's hear about your experiment. So you turned off all notifications. That's right. Um, so explain how exactly you did that, because I know you didn't like you you wrote in your piece. You didn't do it in the purest way necessarily. Right. I'm the sort of person who has a ton of devices. I have my personal smartphone. I have a work smartphone and I have a tablet that I read things on and watch video on. And obviously my computer that I'm working on all day. And all of these things are just hubs for notifications. My phones are buzzing all the time. You know, I, I'm getting Facebook notifications on my computer. So what I decided to do for this week was essentially use my phones exclusively in the do not disturb mode, mm -hmm. which is something that most smartphones should have uh, nowadays. And essentially what that does is it prevents the thing from ringing 
or buzzing if you get a text message or if you get, say, a notification on Twitter or Facebook. And so essentially what it, what it allowed me to do was, you know, live my life without these constant little interruptions, right? Mm-hmm. And essentially I, I had my phones kind of face down on my desk and I would only, you know, it was only when I decided, okay, I'm going to check to see if I have a new email or a new text message or something like that that I'm going to actually see these things. Mm-hmm. And so rather than living my life with all these little interruptions, I essentially had a little bit of peace and quiet until I was ready to engage with whatever was on my phone. I could never do that. Yeah. <laughs> I could never do either of these. Jesse, I use Gchat way too much. And I I just, I'm all about the notifications. But I have so many questions, mostly because the first thing I thought of when I looked at both of your experiments was it kind of felt like there's a, it's like a whack-a-mole problem. Like when you're setting out to decide not to talk to pe- to only talk to people in real life or to turn off all your notifications to me i would think that you think it's going to be one thing and then an email from ariana comes in for example and you're like oh but oh i have to email her back or oh but there's this type of notification i didn't think of and it seems to me like you're just coming it would seem to me like there are layers that you didn't even realize that technology has kind of infiltrated our lives and how many notifications we're actually getting or how many ways we're actually talking to people in non-real life. I mean, did you find that that was the case? Well, sure. I mean, for my notification experiment, it really was the sort of thing where um, I I worried so much about what I was going to miss, right? Because mm-hmm. to your point, you know, it, it's become just a part of our lives to be constantly available, essentially. And, you know, it, it, it was surprising to me just how much of a change it really felt like. Because to your point, you know, there are these little things that always kind of come up and Mm -hmm. we don't think about them and we don't think about the impact that even something like a notification or being able to G-chat really has on how we're living, like, moment to moment. Mm -hmm. And what about you, Jesse? Because you said a couple of times you had to cheat. Like, what came up that kind of surprised you? Yeah, I I really tried to be a purist about it, but there were times when you just, to physically disseminate information, you have to send an email. So it you know, our team was sending around memos about uh, our vision for the new year, things like that, where you you need to physically send an email. Mm-hmm. You know, there are other times when <laughs> when to send a reply all, mm-hmm. I would, uh, it, you know, one of the times I cheated, I just said, oh, I have to just respond because I can. It, so much of email is also kind of accountability, like letting people know, OK, this has been handled. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, was I going to go around to 10 people and say, Hey guys, I talked to this one person. <laughs> you know, no, I wasn't. So it, it's just, it, you know, it's a matter of efficiency. Did you like connecting with your coworkers face to face? I mean, did you get to talk to people that normally you only see via screen? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I never talked to the politics editors in DC. I called them up yesterday actually to discuss who was going to cover a story. And, um, you know, it, I would say there's Headstrong and then there's our politics team. Love you guys. <laughs> but, they, uh, you know, they, I, I think talking to them about this topic engendered some goodwill. <laughs> and yeah. and so we, we resolved um, the situation in a way that may, maybe it wouldn't have happened that way in email. So Yeah, there's no way to mistake your tone. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no way to there's something about face to face communication that it's like, even if you're not. I thought it was interesting that you still considered phone in real life, which when I thought about it, I was like, that makes sense because you're hearing someone's voice. There's no substitute for hearing how someone actually means something to be said Mm -hmm. is what I think. And my question, another question I had for both of you is keeping in touch with friends. So something that's come up on this show before is at this age and stage in our life, our friends are scattered 
all over. I mean, I have friends in Chicago. I have friends in D.C. I have friends that even live in New York that I just don't see that often because I'm lazy and we have different schedules and, like, they live on the Lower West Side and I live on the Upper East Side. And it's like, no, that's a different country. So something like GChat is how I keep in touch with everyone. It's how I make time for everyone. And something like notifications, like to get a text from someone, to respond immediately, to get a Snapchat, to know what's going on in their lives. I mean, that's such a big way that I connect with my friends. Did you find that this negatively or positively affected how you kept in touch with people? I mean, how do you feel like it? I know it was only a week, but did you see any lasting effects of how this affected personal relationships? It's a good question with notifications because you're right, you get a text message and that's sort of how you tend to talk to people. And, you know, with my friends, I'm kind of in the same boat. They're all over the place. And even in the city, we're not seeing each other constantly. We're texting a lot. So actually, one of my biggest worries kind of moving into this challenge was that I was just going to miss things, right? That Mm -hmm. I was going to miss an important message or that, I don't know, my friends would get irritated at me because I wasn't responding to what they had to say which maybe is a little bit uh, narcissistic that I thought I was so important, right, that they Mm -hmm. would be upset at me. But really what I found actually was that things can wait. I mean, you don't have to respond immediately to every text message you get. If you want to have a little bit of quiet time or a little bit of downtime and just be reading or just be watching a movie or something like that, uh, it's totally fine. And that was kind of, that's really one of the things I, I took away from the challenge is, you know, If I want to put my phone in that do not disturb setting, I can do that. And my friends will still be there when I get back. (laughs) Yeah, no one's going to disappear. Right. (laughs) What about you, Jesse? For me, you know, this didn't apply to my social life. I I still personally, I didn't actually personally do chat, but I did still send personal emails. Oh, okay. But I guess, you know, a lot of my, I I have a lot of friends in the workplace. That's Uh, (laughs) I think it's interesting, you know, we have this big open office with 200 people who sit in one large room and you know probably the first rule of gchat is the person you're likely to, to chat is the most adjacent person to you which yeah. is kind of silly and especially with slack now where in, basically the entire newsroom is in one large chat room all together we don't talk enough and i i'm lucky enough that some of my good friends sit really close to me so it's just a matter of we can kind of yell to each other across yeah. the room but yeah it was great to have a reason to just get up and talk to people it's interesting because I think when we talk about wellness and personal connection and, and things like that, we can we kind of scoff at it in regards to the workplace as if we're as if it's not possible, as if we we just have to be we're meant to be chained to our computers mm-hmm. and um, and not interact face to face. And so that's kind of why I wanted to take this challenge on mm-hmm. in the first place. And we're going to hear from both Damon and Jesse as to if these challenges actually worked and what they learned from them. But first, a word from our sponsors. For everyone who's trying to become a real adult, like me, you've probably realized that you need a professional-looking website. And if you're still learning how to become a real adult like me, you probably don't know how to code one yourself. Luckily, there's Squarespace. Their sites look professionally designed, even if you're not super skilled, and there is no coding required. Their tools are easy to use and super intuitive, and if you sign up for a year, you get a free domain name. That's professional. You can start your free trial site today at squarespace.com. And when you decide to sign up for Squarespace, make sure you use the offer code REALSIMPLE to get 10% off your first purchase. Squarespace, build it beautiful. 
And we're back. And I want to talk to Jesse first about how this challenge went and what, you know, what kind of you learned from it. So what do you think was the hardest part for you? I mean, you've said that you worked in an open office, so theoretically it was pretty easy to get in touch with your coworkers because they were right there. But what was the hardest part and then what was surprisingly, you know, easy and valuable? I think the hardest part is that uh, the Huffington Post works at an extremely fast pace. Mm -hmm. And so I did, you know, I did feel like in some ways and, and, you know, I hope my boss isn't listening, but I feel (laughs) like, you know, things were compromised in turn and the outcome of that might be traffic. I think, you know, I was slower to respond. I missed out on pitches. Stories were published a little bit slower than they might have been otherwise. And although I do think ultimately... Um, going over edits in person over the phone, you kind of knock them out faster than a series of anywhere from, I'd say editing takes five to 85 G chats. Mm -hmm. So I think it was faster in that way, but you kind of have to carve out the time to go talk face to face. And that that's not easy. But you bring up an interesting point, which is that, you know, things moved slower. But at the same time, I think of Huffington Post and you're right. I mean, it's a fast paced thing. And and do you think that that little bit of slowness really made a difference? Or do you think the that everyone could take us take use this the chance to slow down a bit without too much of an impact to the company? Yeah, I, I think the end game is this is a winning strategy. Um, yeah, I do. And, you know, it's interesting. I talked to a wellness expert and, and she said that um, chat and all these other technologies are enabling us to you know, work faster and therefore work more. So, you know, part of the reason we're exhausted is that we are simply working more. But I, I, you know, I hand wrote a pitch to the multimedia team. (laughs) And so, you know, that that process of handwriting it, um, I think that I had a few breakthrough ideas, possibly that, you know, maybe I wouldn't, because, you know, when you write, it it unleashes this creative part of your brain. We know that research. Totally. Um, So, you know, and I delivered the pitch and then we talked about it and they kind of built off what I had said. And so, I think, you know, it took more time, but the end product was stronger than it might have been otherwise. And so I think at the end of the day, that's probably what companies want, I would imagine. Yeah. (laughs) And do you think it helped at all with, like, your work-life balance, like, not dealing? I mean, I'm guilty very much of, like, checking email after hours and feeling like I need to be still, not necessarily that anyone wants, is requiring that I'm present at 8 o'clock at night, but just having that weird technological pull towards my email just to even keep keep things in control. I mean, did this help at all with being able to disconnect, leave work at work? Yeah, I would say our office is pretty good, actually, about not emailing at night, you know, not expecting that. So I don't normally sweat that kind of stuff. But I think I there was, you know, I didn't have any kind of... At night, I was less likely to check my email, probably. Mm-hmm. And then... Yeah, I think it was just kind of, I, I, I think the mentality of sort of not expecting chats throughout the day too, you know, allowed me to get to focus on something, maybe do something in a richer, deeper way. I think, you know, actually the researcher I talked to, she said that when you're, you know, when we're doing sort of these linear tasks like email and, and chat and things that are just kind of quick, you're moving in and out of tasks really quickly. It's just sort of activating you know, the very linear part of your brain, not allowing for the more creative side of your brain to even be activated. So yeah. I think that was, that was, that rang true for me, I think. I mean, I think what you're saying about creativity is, is makes total sense. I don't, 
I don't come up with my most creative ideas when I'm staring at my Gmail. I come up with them usually like in the shower yeah. or like <laughs> on the way to work. It's when you're when you're away from the screen. So so what I'm hearing from you is that you did find that this experiment challenge made you a little more productive, made you a little more creative, right? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. That's great. I mean, that's great. Do you do you see yourself spending more in-person time now or do you think you'll kind of fall back into the email Gchat black hole? I think I'm going to. I think especially as an editor, and it's interesting because this week I'm uh, training two new people. And so, you know, we probably would be doing more FaceTime anyway, but they're getting a lot more of it than yeah. they might have otherwise. And I think it's, in this case, it's making the training go a lot faster and smoother. And, you know, we can sit there and talk about sort of the big picture of the story, various angles, you know, go line by line with the piece. And that's something that, you know, might have taken many emails back and forth and and you know thoughts and emotions kind of get lost and you know saying something like you know oh maybe you're reaching for a higher diction than you should or something like yeah. that you know is, is never really something that's great to to send over email or chat anyway so that's that's something I you know with editing I think definitely face-to-face I'll do more face-to-face interaction and that makes total I've always loved like the moments when I can sit down and meet with someone although I know people hate crowding up their calendar with meetings, which is what makes it tough, is people would much rather send an email. But then people hate email. So maybe the solution is like we all should just like stay home and watch Netflix. I don't know <laughs> what the answer is. <laughs> but I do think it's it's I'm glad that it seemed like it worked really well for you. And I certainly take a lot away from it in terms of thinking about how I can just walk up to someone's desk instead of G chatting them, waiting for them to see it, waiting for them to answer, going back and forth because I misunderstood or something like that. I think it makes total sense. Yeah, there wasn't there wasn't the second guessing that's often involved. Yeah. We'll be right back to actually hear from Damon and how his experiment went. But first, a word from our sponsor. So once the new year rolls around, my resolution is always to stay healthy and stay fit, actually eat breakfast in the morning. But I never have time. And I've never gotten into all that juicing and stuff like that because, A, I don't have a juicer. And, B, it just seems too messy and too difficult. But Organifi Green Juice has a solution. There's no shopping, no juicing, no blending, and best of all, my favorite part, no cleanup. And it still tastes delicious. If you're on any sort of special diet or resolution kick, it will still work for you. It's totally organic, vegan, gluten-free, dairy-free, and soy-free. It's a really, really great way to stay healthy when you're really busy and always on the go. And Organifi is so confident that you'll love their product, they'll let you try it completely risk-free for 30 days. And this comes backed by an empty bottle guarantee, which means even if you don't like it, you can send a completely empty bottle back and you'll still get a refund. Go to OrganifiShop.com easy and enter coupon code easy. Adulthood Made Easy listeners will get an additional 20% off. Organifi is spelled O R. G-A-N-I-F-I. Go to OrganifiShop.com slash easy and enter coupon code easy. So, Damon, so you are the editor of Huffington Post Tech. Right. And you turned off your notifications. I did. How did that affect your work? So, in the piece that I wrote, actually, I had this example where, so we use Slack at the Huffington Post, which is essentially... um, it's a messaging app, basically. It, it helps you communicate with your coworkers, send links, things like that. And a lot of the pitching happens over Slack. And so there's a team of writers who 
you know, they'll come to me with ideas and say, hey, I'd like to write this this morning. What do you think about this? And I missed a lot of that because I wasn't getting notifications on my phone. So what I found was in the morning, usually I would, you know, I wake up at seven or whatever. And and by the time it's 730, I'm kind of looking at my phone and and fielding pitches, or I'm brushing my teeth and I hear a buzz and I like look at my phone and, oh, this person's pitching me something. I got to put down the toothbrush and like, you know, read this thing basically. And what I found was, you know, instead of my phone kind of grabbing my attention at, say, 7.30 in the morning when I'm mm-hmm. getting ready to go to work, actually what happened was I remembered to look at my phone about an hour later, like at 8.30 when I was essentially in the office already, which meant that Sometimes pitches kind of waited for a little bit longer than they would have otherwise, which at first kind of worried me because, you know, we're a news organization, right? But what I found was these things oftentimes kind of can wait, right? Mm-hmm. Even even in a place like the Huffington Post where it is, it's a fast-paced environment, usually things are not so urgent that you need to kind of handle them right away. And And I bet that a lot of people probably feel added pressure because of these buzzes and these sounds from their phones that they hear all the time. And what I found, at least, was that, you know, my job wasn't really negatively affected just because I got to something a little bit later than I might have otherwise. And don't you think if something really urgent had come up, like if all smartphones were being discontinued, like someone would have just called you up or like take you know what I mean like someone could have called me someone else would have jumped on it yeah someone would have just like known to take you know if the world was exploding like someone would take care of that right (laughs) I mean right things have an interesting way of figuring themselves out sometimes yeah And, and it's good because it allows you to at least in my experience take some of that pressure off of yourself which was sort of a valuable takeaway for me anyway even though I've returned to notifications now at least most of the time. It's just kind of nice to have that in the back of my head now. Yeah. And something else you talked about that I really relate to is the idea of being so distracted in your leisure time mm. and and not really get, I mean, I'm. it seems like we're both pretty big readers. I love reading. But at the same time, like I have now become very conscious that I'll read a couple pages Either my sometimes my phone won't even buzz. Sometimes I'm like I'm clearly the president of the universe, so I'm sure <laughs> that an email's about to come in that I'm gonna miss from right. like Loft being like there's a sale. Like it's never even anything important. But right. it, on watching TV, I'm still on my phone. I mean, it's totally. And but you kind of found that it was nice not to have that. It was so nice. Um, so a study we wrote about this study last year. Um, even hearing. A notification on your phone can completely ruin your focus. So even if you are, say, sitting there reading a book or or watching TV and you're really trying to focus on that and you say to yourself, I'm not going to look at my phone, if you hear that thing buzz, then your concentration is kind of wrecked, right? And I know that it seems a little strange to talk about concentration when it comes to reading a book or watching TV, but that's your leisure time. I mean, that's time for you, and you should be focused on whatever it is, you know, that's going to make you relaxed. So when it comes to, to reading, I, you know, I wrote in this piece, I'd been trying to finish Purity for, like, several mm-hmm. months because, I don't know, there's always something that's demanding my attention. And when I was doing this experiment and I sat down to read, it was just, it was great because I wasn't being interrupted, right? What yeah. tends to happen is... If I'm reading or if I'm just trying to chill out, you know, however I want, if you get a notification, at least in my experience, I'll pick up my phone, I'll read the text message, and then more often than not, I'm on my phone and I switch over to the Facebook app. Or right, I and go then it's Instagram. a black hole. 
Totally. Yeah. And this kind of prevented all of that. I mean, it really made every action on my phone uh, purposeful. And again, it, it seems so silly, right? I mean, we're talking about a text message or we're talking about looking at a, a Facebook update, but this stuff, I mean, it, it just takes up so much time. It, it's surprising, actually. And allowing yourself to kind of break free of that cycle, I think, is a worthwhile experiment, or at least I thought so. Absolutely. But you you mentioned since you've returned to notifications. Yes. I mean, how did the experiment affect now how you did it? Does right. it? Did it change now how you used your phone, or did it change how you work at all? I, I don't know necessarily that it's changed how I work. I, I think that I feel less pressure now than I did before. You know, I might get a notification on my work phone, but you know, now I kind of feel like, okay, I can take my time with this thing. I don't need to panic and, and get back to this person right away, necessarily. And when it comes to my personal life, you know, while I have my notifications on most of the time now, there have been moments where, you know, I say to myself, okay, I'm, I'm putting my phone, you know, in a different room, or I am going to use the do not disturb mode, mm-hmm. because I can take this moment for myself or to spend time with my friend or, or my fiance or, or whatever might be, you know, more worthy of my time at that minute. So I think what it what it's done is made me more mindful about how I'm using my technology at, at any given moment. And, you know, and that's not to say that everyone needs to live without notifications all the time. But I do think that it's worth thinking about, you know, do I need to be, you know, at the mercy of my phone at this moment? Or, or can I push that to the side for right now? And I love that because people always associate technology with being mindless and being a zombie, that you're using the word mindful mm. and that we can be purposeful when we're checking our email, when we're picking up our phone. And it doesn't just have to be refreshing for the act of a thumb exercise. Like right. it can actually be like, do I really, am I really curious right. about how something resonated with other people? Sure. I mean, no one's saying that you have to, you know, light incense and, and be in a quiet <laughs> room when you decide that now's the time for email. But it is about mindfulness and mindlessness. I mean, it's just about bringing purpose to what you're doing. I mean, this is how you communicate with people. Mm-hmm. And that shouldn't be a mindless thing. I Absolutely. Don't think. Yeah. So from bo- something I've heard from both of you is the idea of, like, things can wait. And I'm not as important as I thought I was. And that's, I mean, not that I sit around thinking I'm very important, but there's a sense of, like, where people are really trying to reach me. Like, people are just dying to talk to me. I mean, what do you think that you both have learned from your own experiment, from hearing about each other's experiments, about, you know, how technology affects our sense of self and how technology affects our connections with other people, either for better or for worse. I mean, it sounds like I would agree that technology helps me keep in touch with friends, helps me keep in touch with other impressive journalists like yourself, helps me, but also hinders me in a lot of ways. There's no sliding scale when it comes to, at least when I'm talking about notifications, there's no, you know, if you get a Gchat, there's no way to say, oh, well, this Gchat buzzed my phone a little less hard, it's less important, <laughs> or the the notification sound was less loud or something like that. You know, Everything seems urgent when we receive information in this fashion, I think. You know, it's not even really about having an inflated sense of self or something like that. I really do think that, you know, you might get an email that is vitally important, you know, from a doctor or something like that. And the process is exactly the same if you get a text message from your friend who's like, 
I don't know, like at a bar or something and wants you to like come have a beer. I mm-hmm. mean, it. I think that it really the challenge is that everything, it just, everything seems like it's on an equal playing field, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's why it's sort of important to step back, I think, and, and, and think about that. I, it's, you know, I think part of the problem is that there just is no way to kind of modulate this, mm-hmm. um, which is maybe... I mean, when it comes to your challenge, Jesse, maybe, you know, it, it's it, it's the same sort of thing where it's like, you know, every email that comes your way, you know, now when you're not responding electronically, you, you kind of have to weigh how you're going to respond and whether someone absolutely needs a phone call right now. And, you know, maybe that taught you something. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think there was a lesson in relinquishing control um, mm-hmm. that I learned in my experiment. So. You know, I can give some examples of this. So, you know, if I was in a meeting or something, I was effectively offline for my team then because they had a question. You know, they couldn't just chat me like like normal. And so, you know, I like to um, write all the headlines for all the stories in my sections and, mm-hmm. you know, sign off on them and all of that. And so if, if I was in a meeting, though, a story has to get published. I can't wait, you know, if, for an hour or something for me to get back. So, you know, my deputy editor would just would come up with something great herself and publish it and it's you know I get back and maybe it wasn't exactly what I wanted but it was still good and and that's fine and that's you know at the end of the day I was able to be in this meeting and be present and not distracted by chat and that's probably in this situation that that's better than you know me sitting there kind of brainstorming a headline with them being half present in the meeting and I think in the end that's it worked out for the best yeah yeah if you guys had to take one little part of your experiment that people could implement on a little bit of a less extreme scale, like something a little more... Like for me, I will say that I do use the do not disturb function on my phone from midnight until 6 a.m. because mm. it used to like keep me up at night. Like it used... That's terrible. My phone would buzz with an email, like I said, from something stupid. <laughs> and I'd be like, oh, don't get up, don't get up. But then I, I had to check it. And I do find myself going to people's desks more often, Jesse and... And talking to them. But if you guys could take one aspect that you think people would really benefit from that would improve their productivity, improve their creativity without making them go cold turkey, what would it be? Oh, man. Well, for you, I mean, get the phone <laughs> out of the bedroom, I think, yeah. is, is the big thing. And I think Ariana Huffington would probably tell you that, too. Um, the problem is I live in a studio. So the whole, <laughs> everything is oh, my so bedroom and my kitchen. Yeah, I it's, hear that. It's everything. It's my guest room and my everything. <laughs> okay. So, so what I would say then when it comes to notifications, at least, is in any given moment, say to yourself, what is it that I actually want to be doing right now? Do mm-hmm. I want to be talking to my friends and answering an email, or do I want to be reading a book or, or going to sleep, right? Mm-hmm. And once you make that decision, you can decide, well, you can say to yourself, okay, so I want to just be chilling out. I'm going to put on the do not disturb function. That's what it's there for. I think it's just checking in on yourself and and really, again, being purposeful. That's what my takeaway would be. Don't, you know, always have your notifications off or something like that. But think to yourself, what is it that I actually want to be doing right now? And the cool thing I will mention about the do not disturb function that I think you can set up in settings and people can look up how to do this is if there was an emergency and like your mom was really trying to call you, chances are she'd call you two, three, four times. Right. And the phone will then let her right. through. Like if someone calls you three times in a row, the phone recognizes something's going down and it'll put it through. So for people who are like, I can't, you know, I need to be connected that I think that is a, that's why I'm not wary of, 
And I think you can put people like on your emergency list where if they like call you, if people are really worried about it, I mean. Right. And it's also, again, it's, you know, this isn't necessarily something that you're going to be doing for eight hours straight every day, right? Maybe when you're asleep, but then you're kind of asleep anyway. Right. Right. So. It, exactly. You can you can figure out what makes sense and, and you don't have to worry about missing something really important. Right. And then that's what I was. Yeah. In terms of looking at a sliding scale of what's important, you'll find that the functions and the filters and things on technology actually, if you take the time to invest learning about it, lets you decide what's important totally. and be mindful of that. Jesse, I'll let you say what you know, what you think people could take away from yours. Yeah, I think the everyday application of of something, of an experiment like this, is to just (laughs) talk to people, I guess, when it works for you. I don't think there's any kind of grand strategy. The researcher I talked to said that a good way to look at it is that uh, getting up and talking to people is kind of a mini renewal throughout the day and that Mm -hmm. we need to be renewed physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And, And talking to people is a great way to hit all three. And as, as I've said before, there's no substitute for seeing how someone's face reacts to your words, how someone's voice sounds when they're talking to you. Because of fine, if someone says fine in Gchat, mm-hmm. it reads as like, oh, they hate that idea. With a period. Right. And that's then it's the like, worst. you're like, oh, I'm fired. <laughs> but if someone was like, oh, that's fine in person, you're like, oh, great, that's fine. Yeah. So I think that that's great advice. And I definitely, both of your experiments have contributed to my own mindful use of technology. And people can read both of your stories. They'll be in the show notes for this podcast. And they can also find them on Huffington Post in the Work Well section. So thank you both for joining me today. I really appreciate your advice. And I'm excited to see how these challenges and takeaways affect my work. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks for having us. That was Jesse Preuss and Damon Barris from Huffington Post. Thank you so much for joining me today for another episode of Adulthood Made Easy. If you have questions or topics you'd like me to cover in the future, just tweet them to me at Sam Zabel and I'll add them to my list. And if you're enjoying the show, don't forget to review and subscribe on iTunes. I'd like to thank our producer, Tim Einenkel, and our engineer, Zach Dinerstein. Don't forget to grab a copy of the book that has all the answers, The Real Simple Guide to Real Life, which you can get wherever books are sold. I'm Sam Zabel, and I'll see you next time.